0: Welcome to High Action. I'm Perry Smith. I'm Will Brom. I'm John Story, and together we're the New West Guitar Group. On today's episode, a special edition of In the Woodshed with Will Brom. A special thanks to our Patreon members and our sponsors who make this podcast possible. For more information on High Action and how you can get involved, please visit www newwestguitarcom highaction Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of In the Woodshed. <clears throat> Today I want to talk about some comping techniques. Um, specifically, how dense or undense should the chords be depending on the context. So before we play anything, let's just talk about some different contexts that we find ourselves in playing jazz guitar. We'll find ourselves in duo situations, both maybe with a singer or with a horn or a bass. We'll find ourselves in a trio situation, particularly guitar-based drums, and maybe a quartet or a quintet situation, guitar, bass, drums, horn, uh, or even two horns, right? So let's look at the first um, idea of if I'm accompanying a vocalist, what are some ways that I want to think about my chord voicings to complement what the vocalist is doing. And we're going to take uh, the song, Our Love Is Here To Stay for today's exercise. Let's say that their melodies in that range. So I might not want to play this exact voicing, because my top note would be their top note, right? the F7. So maybe I'd want to think somewhere else. Right? So right there I'm thinking about where's their melody, where am I in relation to it. If their melody's here, I want to hear a bass note, maybe in that area. There's the melody, here's my chord. That's staying out of the way. kind of occupying the lower end of the neck. I, right? Um, I, I'm And if I play a voicing that actually has a higher melody note than theirs, which absolutely can work, I want to be aware of, if I play a G7 up there for some reason, um, I might wanna think about the dynamics of how I'm doing it. Maybe I'd attack a little softer so that their melody note is still actually sonically louder, even though my inversion is higher up. Um, so I'm gonna pretend that the melody's being played, or even better, if you're watching this and you know the melody, play the melody. And I'm gonna to try to comp through a chorus thinking about a vocalist. And I'm gonna pretend the melody's there and I'm trying to play around the melody. And I'm thinking about groove. I'm thinking about bass motion I'm thinking about uh, smooth transitions between the chords one two uh-uh, three, and couple brain farts on the changes there. I need to brush up on my Gershwin tunes. Um, So there were other aspects that were going into that. I was really defining the time because I'm imagining just a melody. So if the melody's singing, and even if they're adding some rhythmic variation and some phrasing, I still have a lot of responsibility to add a groove, even with just a bass line. What if for half, like if we're playing the head out, and for the first part of the A section on the head out, I just go to a bass line. kinds of different ways because if there's no other instrument accompanying I have a lot of freedom I wouldn't want to do a whole gig like that not even a whole song like that but just adding those moments of less dynamics mixing up the dynamics mixing up the harmonic information Um, and you can usually add in some denser voicings like you know what's a a very simple way I could outline B flat seven is B flat and D what's a denser way I could outline B flat seven a B flat 7, sharp 9, sharp 5. Um, if there's a bass player there, this might start to get in their range a little bit, certainly on the low E string. If I play, which I really wouldn't want to play that if there's a bass player, because the bass player's down there. So that those are some ideas to use as a springboard for thinking about accompanying a vocalist. Now let's say we're in a guitar trio setting, guitar bass, drums you've now got the drums and the bass establishing both the low end and the time. And while it's also always and still your responsibility to contribute to the time, you've got a lot more freedom to explore harmony and explore perhaps some smaller voicings that fit in between the low end of the bass and the groove of the drums. So I might, in this sense, be comping a little more creatively, um, maybe with like three note voicings. Let's try it with three note voicings, right? Um, For the most part, because that's gonna kind of fit in that mix. I could do some four note voicings, but I'm gonna think about three note voicings. I was expanding on the harmony, doing more substitutions, more uh, added harmony. Uh, With smaller voicings, I'm a little more mobile to to be on my feet, think on my feet, and add more harmonic interest if the bass is holding down the low end. All of these things you could do with four- or five-note voicings. Um, I need to practice that more with more four- or five-note voicings. Uh, In one episode, John uh, gave a shout-out to Larry Kuntz. I would like to do the same thing. Someone like Larry is a prime example of someone who's got real knowledge of being able to add real harmonic exploration with very dense four-note, five-note, maybe six-note voicings. So shout out to Larry, who's an inspiration to us all. Now lastly, if we're talking about a quintet or even a big band setting, um, if we look at a lot of the roots of how guitar started we might be able to just look at a three or even a two note voicing. There's the third and seventh, resolving to the third and seventh, resolving to the third and the root, third and seventh, third and seventh, third and seventh. You get the idea. I'm using these two note double stops to comp through the harmony, and that is providing, I could play it percussively. So you're getting some time you're getting a little harmonic information. But before we even do that, let's just look at how useful thirds and sixths are on guitar for outlining harmony with as few notes as possible. There's two notes here, so if I play an E-flat major scale and I break it up into thirds, notice I wanna play them simultaneously. All right, now if I invert the third, E-flat and G, Now let me try comping through the changes to this tune uh, using only thirds and sixths. Um, I might catch myself branching out of those, but that's my parameter. So it's gonna sound a little empty, but use your imagination. What if there's guitar, bass, drums, um, and two horns, or one horn and piano, and there's more going on, and sometimes one or two notes might be all you need. If anything, there's also the art of not playing. Uh, So the final thing here, I'm going to use thirds and sevenths. One, two, three, and... tripped up on a couple spots. But you could, ideally, hopefully, you could hear the harmony, you could hear the form of the song, but there was these moving parts and it starts to get a little bit into the counterpoint area. Um, So those are some different ways of looking at how I can comp over a tune. Uh, We didn't talk about solo guitar. Um, Perry does have a, a solo guitar comping episode in this series, so he did a really good job covering that. But hopefully this kind of fills in gives you a springboard of some ideas of other ways you could approach comping, all depending on the instrumentation that you're playing with. So hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.